0: Do not forget to live. They were the words on the sign. Do not forget to live. They stopped me in my tracks. I couldn't stop thinking about them. How am I living? I wondered. Am I just passing time? Or am I really making the most of my life? I don't know about you, but I've really noticed the new law in Scotland that means that face masks are no longer compulsory. Yes, they're still very sensible in certain settings, but for the most part, they're no longer required. For me, the uncovering of our faces is symbolic for what we are all now experiencing. We have been set free from lockdown. Life can truly begin again. And I found this both an exciting and thought-provoking moment. Over the last few months I've done quite a few funerals and one of the most common things that I've heard families say is this, they feel as though the last few years of their loved one's life was robbed from them. The pandemic was so restricting we couldn't see or enjoy time with friends and family as we were used to. But this was true in so many other ways as well. Our work was curtailed. Our hobbies and social groups were closed down. We couldn't go on holiday. We all spent more time trapped within the four walls of our houses than we have ever done before. It really was as if two years of our lives were stolen from us. We ate and we yearned for the day when we would be set free. And now that day is here. No, the pandemic hasn't completely gone and we do still need to be alert. But we've been released from the restrictions and the fear. So how are we going to live? How are we going to live now the opportunity is here? We who are blessed to have survived this pandemic, how are we going to make the most of the days ahead? I don't know about you, but... I want to start fresh. I want to start well. I want to live life with a new balance and a new focus. I want to seize every moment. I don't want to regret the life choices that I make in this moment of new beginning. I don't want to look back in a few years' time and realize that I've forgotten to live. And it's for this reason that tonight we begin a new series looking at the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's designed to teach us how to be good at life. And this wisdom is something we all need to hear. Let me introduce it to us by asking a few simple questions. The first question we must ask is this. What is wisdom? Proverbs begins to answer this in the very first verses the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. There are four key words there. Wisdom, instruction, understanding, and insight. All four of them relate to each other, and Proverbs will grant all four of them to us as we read on. In Hebrew, the word for wisdom means far more than just knowledge. In fact, wisdom is not really about what you know at all. It's much more about what you do with what you know. Wisdom is not just the collection of facts. It's more practical common sense. Wisdom is not about intellect. It's about skill. Think of a skilled artist or craftsman plying their trade with great beauty and effect. Wisdom is designed to make us that skilled at living life. Wisdom is related to instruction. The Hebrew word for instruction means more than just being taught, like in a classroom or in a church setting like this. Instruction implies discipline and correction. But discipline and correction is always given in a a loving way. Learning to live life well, then, does not come about without the pain of making mistakes. And we gain wisdom when we allow ourselves to be corrected and we start again following better advice. Wisdom takes humility and it takes effort. To really grow in wisdom, then, demands us to be committed to an experienced guide who we will allow to speak into our life. Much like an apprentice with a master. Wisdom leads to understanding. It helps us to discern right from wrong as difficult life choices come our way. Wisdom grants us insight. The greatest insight being that God made this world to work in a certain way. And the best thing that we can ever do in life is to accept that and live according to God's rule. So this is wisdom in the Bible. It's guidance on how to live, how to truly live, how to live life to the full. How to become skilled at living. The second question we must ask then is this. What are the benefits of wisdom? Proverbs answers this question in verse 3. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair. There are two great benefits from gaining wisdom. One is for us as individuals and one is for the community as a whole. I love the words used here in verse 3. If we seek to find wisdom and choose to live by it, we'll be guided into prudent behaviour. If something is described as prudent, it is effective and successful. The prudent choice is the best choice, the choice that gives the greatest outcome and reward. We all want our lives to be a success. We all want to make the most of the opportunities that come our way. Wisdom will help us do that, both at home and in the workplace. But wisdom does not just yield individual benefit. Because if someone really lives a wise life, it will bless the people that they come across. Wisdom leads us into actions that are righteous and just and fair. Put simply, the wisdom in the Bible is not just aimed at making us personally powerful, rise up the job ladder. It's aimed at making us good. Wisdom leads us into the type of life that God wants for us. A life like Jesus. Wisdom leads us to live here today as we will in heaven. And that brings blessing. To our neighbours. So the benefits of wisdom are both individual and corporate, and that is why in verses 4 to 6 we are encouraged to seek wisdom for the entirety of our lives. Wisdom is so good, so useful, so desirable, we don't just want to engage with it once as a young person, we want all of our years to be shaped by it. Young people do need to be guided to make good plans and choices for their lives. Emily and I saw that this week as we ate a meal with our students and young people. We listened to the many big decisions that they are having to make regarding their studies and their future careers. They need wisdom. In their slight naivety, they need help to make good judgments. But even the oldest among us here this evening need to continue to listen to wise advice and add to our learning. A large part of this book is made up of individual proverbs. There are chapters and chapters of them. Proverbs are one or two line, almost rhyming couplets of wise bit of advice. They're designed to make us think. And as you engage with these proverbs, as you read through this book, you'll find that you engage with them at different depths and different levels, at different points in your life. Some will hit you straight away. They're profound. They'll speak directly into what is going in your life at that moment. Others you have to chew over, like a cow chewing the cud. You go over them again and again until they yield their full nourishment. And this is like all of the wise teaching in the Bible. We may have heard it before, but the more we dwell on it, the more we reflect on it, the more benefit we gain from it. So we're to use the wisdom literature in the Bible, books like Proverbs, as a program for lifelong learning. And if we do, our behavior will become more prudent, our lives more successful, and our communities be blessed with right and just and fair action. Now, I don't know how you're now feeling. Maybe you're excited for this series. You, you want to know how to live life well. Or maybe you're a little bit daunted. This concept of wisdom sounds a bit difficult, a bit complicated. You're not sure how you're going to get on with it. Well, fear not. Proverbs tells us exactly how to get started with this new way of life. The third question we're going to ask this evening is this. Where does wisdom Begin. And in verse 7, we get a very clear answer. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. That is the root of all that we're going to think about over the coming weeks indeed it is the motto for all the wisdom literature in the bible in both old and new testaments if we want to live a successful life we must begin with a healthy fear of the lord what does the bible mean by that the fear of the lord well let me put it like this if we fear the lord we will acknowledge that Every part of life on earth is lived under God's jurisdiction. He is the creator of all things and therefore has ultimate authority over their use. He has made the world to work in a certain way and we have to accept that. Fear of the Lord implies a life of reverent obedience Reverent obedience is the only appropriate response to a God as holy and as powerful as our God is. Fear of the Lord then doesn't so much imply terror as the people of Ukraine are living in right now. Fear of the Lord is about awe. We hold God in awe. When we truly appreciate how awesome God is, we realize that it would be foolish to go any other way but his. When we truly appreciate how awesome God is, we begin to humble ourselves before him. We're just human beings. We're finite. We're not gods. We don't get to decide what's right and what's wrong. We have to go with his definition. When we truly appreciate how awesome God is, we're quick to jump on his side and take our stand against the evil that he is fighting. This is what it means to hold God in awe. This is what it means to fear the Lord. It means taking every decision, big or small, before the Lord, before we make it ourselves. It means searching for His path every time we get to a crossroads. It means trying to live how He wants us to live at every opportunity. Our non-Christian society likes to scoff at this idea. The postmodern world hates authority figures. We're told that this concept of fearing God is inhibiting and restrictive. Christians are tied down by the Bible and its rules. But Proverbs is going to show us that nothing could be further from the truth. First of all, the evidence shows us that the more our society ignores God, the worse it gets. When you stop revering God, you stop honouring the people he's made in his image. When you sideline God, you take advantage of other human beings. If you stop revering God, you stop caring for his creation. Without respect for the creator, you exploit the environment for your own ends. We see the evidence for this every day on the news. But Proverbs also shows us that a life lived in fear of the Lord is strikingly attractive. I'd like you to think for a moment. Who is the wisest Christian you know? Maybe they're a church elder. Maybe they're a parent or a grandparent. Maybe they were a previous minister who brought you to faith. Maybe they're just a friend who you've got somewhere. I think of my grandparents. And when I think of my grandparents, I realise that there was a real beauty to their life. They had this quiet confidence in everything they faced. My grandparents went through many struggles in life. They went through the war, they went through poverty, they went through all sorts of difficult things. But these struggles, they didn't embitter them. They kept this sense of joy and they enjoyed life to the full. And when I think of them, two who I know feared the Lord, it wasn't restrictive for them. They were released by it. In Psalm 147, it says this The Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. What a wonderful thing it is to experience the delight of God. John Donne, the great poet turned preacher, wrote this in a sermon. The fear of the Lord is the most noble, the most courageous, the most magnanimous virtue in the world. The love of God begins in fear and the fear of God ends in love. And that love never ends because God is love. Throughout this series, we're going to learn how to fear the Lord. It is the beginning of learning to live well. The next question I would like to ask is this. How is wisdom passed on? Who are we to learn it from? And the answer to this question may surprise you. God's wisdom is passed on to us through other human beings. The wisest man in the ancient world was the Israelite king, King Solomon. He was the man granted special wisdom from God. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 3. But Solomon did not write every proverb in this book. Rather, he collected them. He collected them from the community in which he lived. If you want to know who the writer of the book of Proverbs is, in a very real way, it is the community of Israel as a whole. The people who had dedicated their lives to living under God's rule. In a very literal way, the book of Proverbs can be described as common sense rather than the great insight of one individual man and we see this in the way that the book is structured the first nine chapters of Proverbs are made up of ten addresses from a father to his son listen to how they begin in verses 8 and 9 listen my son to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. I wonder what your experience of growing up was like. I know I was very fortunate. I had good Christian parents who loved me and did their best for me. My parents were not perfect. I've come to that age when I can freely admit that they make mistakes. But more often than not, their advice to me was spot on. They led me to faith. They taught me to look after money. They guided me on relationships. And I know the period in my life where I ignored their advice was when I got into a bad relationship and things started falling apart. In the book of Proverbs, this son is encouraged to listen to the wisdom of his parents. In the community of God's people, wisdom is passed on by mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, by guardians and by elders. In other words, wisdom is passed on to the next generation by those who have prior experience. Experience in getting things wrong as well as getting things right. And in the ten fatherly talks that make up Proverbs 1-9, to the parents shed light on issues that all of us are worried about at some point in our life. How do you raise a family? From whom should you borrow money? How do you navigate the minefield of sex and relationships? How do you go about choosing good friends? These are 10 parent to child talks on the art of living ordinary human life. Wow. So in the Bible then, God's wisdom is passed on as homely wisdom. The elders in the community are the spiritual guides to the next generation. They are the ones who pass on God's word, and Solomon has recorded it for us. As I said earlier, they may not know everything. They may not always follow their own advice. But the Bible is clear it's folly to ignore the wisdom of our Christian elders. And that's why, as a church, we've got to make sure we try and champion parents and grandparents and the older generation. Many of you in this room have lived. Decades of your life trying to live for God. And we can learn so much from your experiences. Now I know that this sermon has been a bit theoretical so far and I apologise for that. This is the introduction I hope will set up the series just as much as the verses we read of the introduction to Proverbs. But what I hope we have learned is this. The wisdom literature in the Bible is designed to help us live life well. And if we follow it, there'll be great benefit to ourselves and to the community in which we live. And the key concept behind it all is learning to live in fear of God. Trying to revere God and obey him and put him first in everything. After all, he made the world. It'd be wise for us to seek his plan for it. And as Christians, there is great help to be found in asking the older generation about their experiences. Solomon did that in writing his book, and we do it today. But now to make sure this sermon is not all theory, I want us to finish with the first bit of wise advice that was given in the book. So far, we've been asking questions about what wisdom is. Now as we briefly look at verses 8 to 19, wisdom is going to ask a question. Of us. As I said, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are made up of 10 talks from a father to his son. Verses 10 to 19 of chapter 1 are talk number 1. And in it, the father effectively asks his son a question. Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? The first piece of wise advice that Proverbs gives us is that we are to be very careful about the company we keep. We must not just go along with the crowd. In Israel, young men would leave their rural villages and travel to Jerusalem to make a living, a bit like our young people leaving Ireland to go and work in Glasgow. When they got there, they found themselves amongst a new people Often they would find themselves rubbing shoulders with people who did not acknowledge Israel's God at all. After leaving the safe environment of their village where they'd been nurtured in the faith, they suddenly find them surrounded by downright sinners. People who would use all sorts of violence to get money. And what verses 10 to 19 describe to us is the lure of a gang culture where individuals are pressured into joining in with muggins and lootings and theft and fraud and even murder in order to make a quick buck. Having lived in London through an epidemic of gang and knife violence, I can assure you these verses could not be more relevant. Well, just before the son leaves the village for the city, his godly parents urge him, plead with him, do not join the gang. Do not go along with the fashionable crowds because we know how it will end. It will not end in the amassing of valuable treasures as you might think, it will end in the forfeiting of your own blood. The gang will not bring you a sense of belonging that you desire. It will not bring you happiness. It will destroy your humanity. Those who use violence end up more damaged by that violence than their victims. And why is this? Because God's made the world to be just. And if you cease to fear God, you will end up on the wrong end of his justice. So in this opening advice, the parents urge their child to see that there's something far greater to gain than valuable assets or extra income, and that is virtue. Virtue. As human beings, we're never to play short-term game over long-term character development. And our characters are formed by the community in which we live, the society we surround ourselves with, the people we belong to. If we surround ourselves with wise, godly elders who will help us seek God's wisdom, we will find ourselves on the path to life. But if we surround ourselves with the ungodly, who teach us to ignore God and take matters into our own hands, we will find ourselves on the path to destruction. And that brings all that we've thought about to a fitting conclusion. Coming out of lockdown, we all have a new start in life. As things open up again, we're all faced with the same questions: What groups are we going to join? What homes are we going to enter? What ways are we going to go? Whose advice are we going to listen to? These are the questions we're asking ourselves right now in one way or another. And the wise advice of the Bible is, seek God. First and foremost, seek God. Make your first place of belonging the church. Because that's where Christ is worshipped. And that's where he's taught And he's the model and example for us all. Make your most trusted guides Christian elders who have been there before you, seen it and done it, and can guide you into the path of God rather than those who have no care for God at all. These are just the first steps towards living wisely. Proverbs is going to teach us many more.